Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and reading today from a study of Ezekiel, Part 4, Judgments on Judah's Neighbors. This is a very difficult book to read through. I don't, I don't blame you if you're having a little trouble with it, but do stay, stay tuned. It, it gets better in Part 5 for sure, and we don't want to block out portions of God's Word that are not uh, tasty to us. It's all God's Word. We were asking the question, or about to, what is to be Ethbaal's fate? If you recall from last time, Ethbaal was the prince or king, leader of Tyre at the time, the, the physical leader. We'll talk about a spiritual application in just a little while. But uh, Ethbaal's a very proud man. He's leading this place. He thinks he's impregnable. His city is impregnable. And uh, God has other ideas. Chapter 28 of Ezekiel, verses 6 through 10. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Because you make your heart like the heart of a God, therefore, behold, I will bring foreigners upon you, the most ruthless of the nations, and they shall draw their swords against the beauty of your wisdom and defile your splendor. And they shall thrust you down into the pit, and you shall die the death of the slain in the heart of the seas. Will you still say, I am a God, in the presence of those who kill you, though you are but a man, and no God, in the hands of those who slay you? You shall die the death of the uncircumcised by the hand of foreigners, for I have spoken, declares the Lord God. Well, truth is about to dawn on the king of Tyre, swords drawn, swords thrust, into the pit, into the grave. You'll not be spared the fate of all the others who die at the same time. Then where will your boasting go? The word death is plural in the original here in the text. The prince is to die more than one death. He himself will be slain and his friends will die and his empire will be crushed. His island will be connected to the mainland and be unreachable no more. A lot of deaths here. As to the term uncircumcised, God is saying that this king will die like every other pagan national outside the covenant of God. No special glory is to be attached to him because he was a king. He is merely a man, an uncircumcised Gentile, and like them, he will perish. Now, so far in the chapter, no real mystery. If you've been following the last couple of times, we... We said that there's going to be a mystery. It's nothing mysterious yet. We wish that we knew a little historically more about Ethbael III. But now, as we read on in the text, something else is to be said about this man from, from God's perspective. In a curious nine-verse lamentation, I want you to listen carefully to the prophet of God. And ask yourself the question, are we still talking about a human king, Ethbael III, in this lamentation? And if not, who is this king? Look at chapter 28, verses 12 to 15 to begin with. Son of man, raise a lamentation over the king of Tyre and say to him, thus says the Lord God, you were the signet of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. 
You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Sardius, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, emerald, and carbuncle. And crafted in gold were your settings and your engravings. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were an anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God. In the midst of the stones of fire, you walked. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created. Hmm. Well, certainly these words present a challenge. Got to proceed very carefully, avoiding the sensational, but not ignoring the obvious. First, I want to note again the idea of lamentation. Actually, there are many lamentations of Ezekiel. They're in chapter 2, verse 10. He spread it before me, and it had writing on the front and on the back, and there were written on it words of lamentation and mourning and woe. Ezekiel 19.1, and you take up a lamentation for the princes of Israel. Ezekiel 26.17, and they will raise a lamentation over you, Tyre, the, the one we're talking about now, and say to you how you have perished, you who were inhabited from the seas. Ezekiel 27.2, now you, son of man, raise a lamentation over Tyre. Ezekiel 28, where we're at, son of man, raise a lamentation over the king of Tyre. And then it's going to happen again in 32.2. Son of man, raise a lamentation over Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and so on. Verses 13 to 15 in this chapter talk about someone who was absolutely perfect and beautiful. The words are addressed to the king, the same king that we were just describing in the first verses of Ezekiel 28. There we saw a, a mere man calling himself a god. We see a very smart man, but one whose worldly wisdom is, is in trading caused him to be sinfully proud. Could this proud man be the one that's being addressed here? Well, it seems not. It seems that the king of, T of Tyre was possessed by the spirit of the evil one, Satan himself. Why else would the Lord have, have two side-by-side -side prophecies directed to the same person? Now, the per first prophecy is for the man. The second one, this one, is for the spirit inside the man. And when it seems that we have transitioned back to the man, in this prophecy, we must recall that what we are seeing in the natural is still the working of Satan. In this way, Ethbael III becomes a type of, of the Antichrist, who is yet to come. He too, the Antichrist, will be a man totally filled with Satan, and yet in appearance, just acting like a mere human. Back to the prophecy itself. This ruler of Tyre was created. Ethbael III was not created. He was just a man. And this one, says God, was the very model of perfection 
At the beginning, not so for Ethbaal III of Tyre, for sure. The one addressed here was perfectly beautiful at his creation. No, 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 it's not the man that we read of in verses 1 to 10. This one was in Eden. Well, most of us now know who the Lord is lamenting. Only three persons were ever in Eden. Except for a bunch of angels, there was Adam and Eve and Satan, who had been an angel, too. Adam has not been resurrected here. Eve is not in, in view. God's talking to his arch enemy, who has entered the body of the evil king, Ethbael. The passage makes sense, at least for now. Now we understand why the prince of verses 1 to 10 was so proud and wise. Inside of him was the one who had been created with perfect wisdom and beauty. The precious stones referred to are found in Genesis 2.12, describing the Eden inhabited by Satan in the beginning. The settings and engravings of the ESV at the end of verse 13 are admittedly uncertain translations of the Hebrew. Other Bibles speak of things musical, as in the coronation of a king. I prefer to think of this whole verse as one indication of something of the splendor of Eden. Verse 14 is unmistakably definitive of the devil's beginnings. A cherub. Ezekiel must have reeled with confusion as he remembered the cherubim he saw at Kebar more than once. Cherub? He's called a cherub. This evil king, inhabited by one who used to be a, a special messenger of God. Now, where are the holy mountain of God and the stones of fire? God placed this anointed cherub right there. This is before Eden perhaps even before the creation somehow. Satan was special. This mountain and this fire, though having earthly counterparts in the temple and Sinai, are being connected to a person whose existence predates all earthly persons and places. We simply do not know how God elevated this cherub in the time after his creation, but he was elevated. It's disappointing to read commentary after commentary that try to attach all of these descriptions that I just gave you to the ruler, Ethbael, to a human being. And Satan is not even mentioned at all by these guys. Only John MacArthur, of the ones that I read, sees the dual nature of this prophecy. I hope you see it too. In verse 15, the person is called blameless. Surely the human king that we met earlier does not fit this description. But there was a creation of God that was made perfect and stayed perfect until, until what? Let's read on verses 15 to 19. Until unrighteousness was found in you. In the abundance of your trade... You were filled with violence in your midst, and you sinned. And so I cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O guardian 
cherub from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I exposed you before kings to feast their eyes on you. By the multitude of your iniquities, in the unrighteousness of your trade, you profaned your sanctuaries, and so I brought fire out from your midst. It consumed you, and I turned you to ashes on the earth in the sight of all who saw you. All who know you among the peoples are appalled at you. You have come to a dreadful end, and you shall be no more forever. Well, there are some mysteries not meant to be uncovered here, I think. We know that Satan fell. We don't know why or how, but here in verse 15, the fall is depicted. The perfect cherub. An angelic class was suddenly not perfect. This imperfect, yea, evil, evil spirit has now entered Ethbaal the third. Satan has lifted this king to great pride, but now he'll be brought to great ruin, as was the spirit within him. What Satan's sin was, we do not know, but what he instigated the king to do is spelled out. First, abundance, prosperity, worldly success, power. All of that led the king to tighter and tighter control of his surroundings, violence, pride, sin of all sorts. And as with Satan, Ethbael is cast off his place of authority and destroyed. The kings of the earth will watch as this godlike possessed man falls from his glory to his death. The city and the king will be burned. As in the lamentation for Tyre earlier, we see the Mediterranean world appalled at what is happening. The king is dead. The kingdom begins its downward spiral. It's over. And Satan, he's set free from this earthly body to enter others in every age. One day, he will enter the man of sin. That man will be defeated as was Ethbael thrown into a lake of fire, and be no more. But this time the spirit dragon will be bound and later thrown into that same fire to be punished forever. So Ezekiel 28 is nothing more than a preview of what's going to come to pass in our own future. We will see this. We will watch it happen. Well, next, sandwiched in between the, the three tire chapters, and the four Egypt chapters is a five-verse word to Sidon, Tyre's next-door neighbor. We'll get that next time around. Thank you so much for being here. And want to keep reminding you that we have the works of many great men of God on this site. I read their words. I read their stories, Spurgeon in particular. But there's more. Keep looking. You'll see stuff that, uh, that will bless you. North Korea audios by the hundreds. Uh, North Korea photos also by the hundreds. Just click on, on album, click on photos and click on album, and then look up the North Korea 
audio web blog. Also, I've written a lot of things. I've written about the Quran and and I've written about Muhammad and end time prophecy. Do do look things up, will you? I've got 61 titles now. God has been good to me. These are not bestsellers, <laughs> sometimes not sellers at all. And I I guess I shouldn't be worried about that. These are more scripts than anything. I write them and put them in book form so that I can read them to you. But if you'd like to read them yourself, you can go to Kindle. For $1, you can get any one of these books. Um, others at a very minimal price. You need to click on Store to have access to that. I'm going to be reading, or not reading, but uh, talking about a different book each day. I was going to give away books and... That didn't go over too well. I just want to point you, though, to uh, different books so that you'll uh, get an idea of what I have written and maybe go after them yourself. Just just click on store if you like this particular one. It's called The Sabbath, an Inquiry, Questions About the Seventh Day. You know, some of the cult groups have stolen the Sabbath and made believers afraid even to bring up the subject. But this is a topic that Christians should check out. Uh, though I think lacking total biblical support, the idea of a Sunday Sabbath has been the default practice among most Christians on the authority of the Roman church. They will tell you, you didn't get this out of the Bible, you, you got that from us. But what happened to the seventh day? Does it even matter? Everyone knows some bona fide Christian who has decided to observe that day, tradition or no. So what are they thinking I want you to check out the biblical and historical notions that cause many to make this decision or that decision. Be convinced in your own heart that you have the mind of the Lord in this matter. And the final main section of the book is devoted to a study of the Mosaic Law and its implications, if there are any, for the Spirit-born child of God. I don't come to a conclusion that I want you to come to on here, but I do want you to ask questions. Whenever something is not totally, totally settled in Scripture, you know, the, the bad guys can come along and uh, they might have found something in there about this and built a whole thing around it, a whole cult around it, and, and make that their proselyting point and draw you over into it. I want you to see for yourself what uh, the Bible says about the Sabbath and the questions you need to be asking about it also. Uh, that's available. Just click on store and you'll find out how to get it that way. I have a blog that comes up every day now. I'm, I'm just putting some of my books in blog form a little bit at a time every day so that you don't even have to buy these things. And uh, it, uh, also I'm, I'm looking for people, for men, to join us. I asked the men last night, should we invite the women to come to this? And they weren't against the idea, but most of them just kind of thought, no, it's kind of good for men to get together and fellowship. Uh, and and I, I do I do want to build men and, and build myself as a man and be built by these other men. So send me an email, your testimony, and I'll send, and it doesn't have to be long, just that, you're, that you know the Lord. I'll send you an invitation by return email, and I'll give you a link to our Saturday night uh, meeting that we have on Zoom every Saturday night, 7 o'clock Central Time. bunch of guys getting together, fellowshipping. We pray for each other, kind of love each other. It's, it's a good group. And then we study the Bible. We're studying Galatians right now. Would you join us? Uh, my email is bob.j.faulkner.72 at gmail.com. Facebook friends, I'm looking for you too. 
as I've told people before, I had hundreds of them before. I was just getting everybody in to see how many I could get. That, that's not the way to handle Facebook. <laughs> oh, I looked at it as evangelical work, you know. But after a while, I was getting their stuff, and their stuff was was tearing me down. I, I just didn't want to look at their stuff after a while. So I've, I just closed that account, opened a new account, and I'm only looking for people who know the Lord and want to share the Lord with me. And, and now I'm, I've only got about... I think it's 40 now. It's up to 40, but it is slowly growing with Christian people. Would you go to Facebook and look me up? Bob Faulkner, F-A-U-L-K-N-E-R, in Niles, Illinois. There's more than one. So uh, we can be friends that way. All right, that's all I've got this time. I know I've kept you a while, but uh, hope it was worthwhile. We'll talk again real soon. God bless you. This is the Hackberry House of Chosun. Bye-bye. <music>